Rabbi Shlomo Weissman is with us. He has served as the director of the Beth Din of America, the most active rabbinical court in North America since 2008. In this role, he utilizes both his secular and Jewish legal expertise to manage all aspects of the Beis Din's activities and to oversee a forum for dispute resolution that seamlessly integrates the Jewish jurisprudential tradition with secular norms of procedural due process. He also serves as mediator and arbitrator at the Beis Din and has mediated and arbitrated over 100 cases since joining the organization. You might have heard that there's a new Beis Din of America study that shows that the majority of modern Orthodox rabbis in the United States have couples sign a halachic prenuptial agreement before the wedding. Rabbi Shlomo Weissman, director of the Beis Din of America, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thanks very much. Good to be back. I appreciate that. You know, last time we really gave an introduction to the whole topic to this audience, and I guess this is a uh, a good time to reflect on uh, on that because of this uh, 25 year study or twenty fifth anniversary study. I guess would be the way to put it. Uh, that's been done. Um, I, I guess the story here is, and again, remember, and, and you helped us remind everybody about this last time. Remember, there are segments of the Orthodox Jewish world that are. Um, are, are, that are still not there when it comes to halachic prenup. Um, but in the modern Orthodox world, as the study says, uh, 84% of modern Orthodox rabbis in the U.S. have couples that they marry, sign a prenup in advance of the wedding. I am guessing that if you go back 20 to 25 years, that number was much lower. So just like we are trying, and by we I mean you, we are trying to encourage certain segments of the Jewish world to to revisit or visit for the first time this area of halachic prenup. I assume 25 years ago that's what was going on in the modern community. Am I right? That is absolutely true. I mean, 20 years ago the prenup was only, let's say, five years old, right? So this was a, a brand new thing. The leaders of the community, the rabbis in the community, people getting married had no idea whether – it would really live up to its promise, and it's it's you know 25 years later, it's uh, it, it it's worked up, it's lived up to its promise spectacularly. I mean, there's no question when when a case comes uh, to us uh, and there is a prenup, the way we handle it and the speed with which it's resolved is dramatically different uh, from a case where there's not a prenup. Does the text of the document change on a regular basis, or it never changes? It's, uh, it's gone through, I would say, four or five iterations over the last 25 years, but we're, we're talking about changes that would get lawyers excited, uh, <laughs> not, not your layperson. It, it, the document is essentially the same. We tinker with it from time to time. Um, actually, we have an excellent uh, committee of, of lawyers and rab, rabbanim who you know, constantly look and, 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 and see whether changes should be made. The, the prestigious international law firm Davis Polk uh, did a review of the document about five years ago. We made some changes at their recommendation. But like I said, these are changes at the contours of the agreement and the legalese rather than the, the, the thrust of the, of the agreement, which has basically stayed the same. I'm taking it for granted that most people understand the purpose of the prenup. I shouldn't do that. Uh, is, is the um, recalcitrant husband... In light of the fact that in our halachic tradition, the husband has control about giving a get, is that the only reason that the halachic prenup exists? Basically, well, the, the, the problem 
uh, that we face in contemporary society, and particularly in the United States, is that I think it's a twofold problem that's led to 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 the Aguna crisis, as it's as it's called. One is that uh, the divorce rates are up, and so the problem be- presents itself much more frequently. The other problem is that there's the lack of centralized rabbinic control. Every rabbi operates on his own. There's no single rabbinic body uh, that controls or that is in charge of the community and that oversees the community ensures that people do the right thing. So if you think back in the shtetl in Europe, you would have the rabbi of the community, and people would by and large do what he said because there wasn't much choice. You couldn't just pick up and leave. uh, There was lack of mobility, etc. In the United States, that's clearly not the case. And so what the prenup is so successful in doing is to reestablish the beitin, the rabbinical court, uh, as a, uh, a forum that has authority and that can ensure that the get is timely delivered in the event of divorce. Does Rabbi Shlomo Weissman is with us? Does it matter if the document is signed four months before the wedding or four hours before the wedding? The the earlier the better, I would say. Uh, I mean, it shouldn't be signed years before the wedding, right. but you know, sometime during the engagement process and as you get closer to the wedding is probably the best time to sign the prenup. The risk with signing the prenup too close to the wedding, meaning, you know, an hour before, is that it could give rise to some sort of argument that it was signed uh, either under duress or without full uh, knowledge of what, the, of what the couple was signing. Uh, that's not to say you can't sign it at the wedding or right before the wedding if it was reviewed previously. You know, right. I think it's a good practice for a rabbi to sit down with the couple to go through the provisions of the prenup for everyone to understand what they're signing. And then if they want to actually have the signing ceremony at the chassan's tish or uh, at the bedekin or, you know, in some context just before the, the marriage, that's, that's fine also. There are people, there are couples that make a, uh, make a big deal of it in that way? I've seen it. I've been to weddings where, uh, where it's, you know, chassanim and kalas have made a, a point hmm. of uh, encouraging their friends to sign it by, by doing it in public, by calling attention to the fact that this is an important document uh, that really, essentially, is a signal of uh, of, a, of commitment, of respect, of mutual respect, one for another. Um, essentially, when you sign the prenup, you're saying that even if things somehow go off the rails, even if somehow this marriage doesn't work, uh, I promise each of them says to the other, I promise to treat you with respect, to give you a get, uh, and then to you know to to deal with things as they as they as they come. Uh, they are the only ones who sign, right? Parents and family members have nothing to do with this document. Yeah, that's right. The the chassan and the kala, the bride and groom, signed the document. Uh, it's it, it should be notarized. That's important, especially in New York. Notarization of a prenup is a requirement. Hmm. Um, interestingly, the New York State Legislature, probably about ten years ago, passed the statute that allows the officiating rabbi to notarize the document, even if he's not a notary. Interesting. Only in America. <laughs> you can say that again. Yeah. Uh, Rabbi Shlomo Weissman is with us talking about the 25th anniversary of the halachic prenuptial agreement document. Um, are there rabbis that you know you talk about, or I should say the study indicates that 84% of modern Orthodox rabbis are utilizing the prenup and, and are encouraging, I guess that would be the word to use, uh, couples to sign up before the wedding. Are there rabbis at this point that will refuse to uh, to officiate at a wedding if there's no prenup? Uh, there are. Uh, the, the Rabbinical Council of America about, uh, I think it was in 2016, passed a resolution that actually uh, stated that their member rabbis should not perform a wedding without a prenup. 
And one of the interesting things about the survey that we conducted in March yeah. uh, was the dramatic increase in the number of rabbis who require the document rather than just encouraging it. So we had, you know, 84% of RCA rabbis either encourage or I'm sorry, require or encourage the document. Uh, but there was a dramatic increase within that number of the, the number of rabbis that have moved into the require category rather than just encouraging it. Interesting. Um, I, I think, and I'm no halachic expert, I could tell you that much, but I, I think there are cases and situations in Jewish history where rabbis have uh, intervened in situations when they saw certain things get out of control and the possibility of tremendous conflict in the in the community, um, you know, they saw that there was too much conflict in certain areas. So they made certain provisions, certain guidelines, and I would and I and what's more important than that? What's more important than peace in the Jewish camp, so to speak? And I'm wondering why that whole attitude is not enough to get some of the Orthodox groups and some of the Orthodox rabbinic leaders to appreciate the halachic prenuptial agreement when they when they see or that or or. or when they are told of the evidence that you have that it really promotes a peaceful encounter in a situation that traditionally in Jewish history has been so difficult and so, um, you know, so terrible. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. There's no question this document uh, more than more than anything I think than that we can think of as a kind of a, a new document on the scene in the last uh, in the last quarter century really does bring about a uh, an increased level of peace in an area that's fraught with conflict uh, that is divorce right. um, as to why it's not more accepted across the board by every segment of the community it's tough to say I think part of it is just a learning process I think as we become more mature as a community as more uh, Rabunim and more Baobatim understand uh, the effectiveness of this document, how, really, how it really does work, how, how it really does make the Aguna problem go away effectively. Um, I think you'll find more and more people uh, accepting it. There is a cultural reticence, among, especially among certain segments of community, to adopt new practices, and especially in an area like marriage and divorce, which is so halakhically um, uh, centered. Right. Uh, you know, there's, there's a, a kind of a conservatism that our community uh, rightfully uh, uh, employs, but 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 ulti- again, ultimately, this is a document that's been approved that has the haskamas of a, a wide variety of gedolim, of poskim, of, of rabbanim who are experts in this area. Uh, and I think as time goes on, we'll see more and more segments of the community adopting it. I also think that because there's a link, uh, and you could tell us just how you know how much of a link there is, but I think because there's a link to civil law. There's a link to the U.S. court system, right? Because some of these documents, right, or these documents in some places, I should say, are, are accepted as, as a real legal document, correct? Yeah, that's so, absolutely right. Maybe this is a good opportunity. I should probably, I don't, I don't think we've covered exactly what the document does, how it's structured, what, right. what it contains. Yeah, please. So, uh, so let, me, let me just run through that. Essentially, there are two essential provisions uh, to the prenup. Number one is that it says in the event that there's a separation, in the event a couple is headed towards divorce, they agree that the Bethlehem of America will be the exclusive forum for resolving issues relating to the get. 
so that means you can't forum shop, you can't choose another bait, and you're wedded to the Bethden of America, and you're essentially, by signing this agreement, agreeing that that's the court, that's the rabbinical court that should be in charge of the get process. That, that's one essential provision. The second essential provision is the support obligation that's embedded in the document, which says that from the time uh, the couple separates and the woman requests it, uh, the husband is on the hook for $150 per day of spousal support until the marriage ends as a matter of Jewish law, uh, which means until the get's given. And what that does is it incentivizes an early get, that the get should be given earlier rather than later in the process, that takes the get off the table and allows the couple to negotiate their, their divorce fair and square. And uh, all that that you just mentioned is accepted in American regular courts, so to speak. Exactly, exactly. Because if you have, America because, because is empowered as an arbitration forum, uh, we issue our decisions under this document right. uh, as uh, an arbitration award that's enforceable in court without question. There's even a case uh, where the, do- the, the, the document was challenged in 2012 in Connecticut, the case of Light v. Light, and a Connecticut court upheld the agreement. Uh, it was a, you know, a nicely worded reasoned opinion that spelled out why this is a constitutionally appropriate mechanism uh, and why the support obligation could be upheld and enforced in the courts. All right, so number one, just back to my point for a moment, so number one, I think that there's a hesitation among certain groups in our greater Jewish community because of that connection to civil law, right? There's always that, that right. that's, you know, that, that there's always that hanging over it. And I think that, that there's a reality that certain segments of our community do not want to face, and the reality is, you, know, you you earlier in this conversation cited, you know, what the old days were like, you know, in the shtetl. Uh, what, one of the things that the shtetl also had as a feature was 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 a lack of creature comforts. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. it was and and today, because in most cases, or in a large number of cases, I shouldn't say most, in a large number of cases, there, there's a lot of money involved and a lot of property involved and a lot of you know. Even in the in an average, you know, with an average couple, there's there's you know there's a there 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 could be significant funds that are involved in this whole process uh, that they've that they've accrued over the length of their marriage, uh, and I think that that one of the realities that all of our rabbis have to come to is that this is not again you know one of those simple situations in the in the shtetl where okay you know give a get and you know split the few little things that each of you have here you're talking about a much more involved. A financial situation. I think that's one of the realities that's going to start hitting everybody. Yeah, I think that's right. Divorces are complex. They take a long time. They they suck the resources out of the couple. It's it's not a fun process, and the get can get entangled with all of that. Uh, so what do we do if uh, if if at the uh, transfer of a get we say Mazel Tov, and we do, Rabbi Weissman, right? Don't they say Mazel Tov we, at the transfer of a get? Uh, that's right, we do. So I guess yeah. on the twenty fifth anniversary of the prenup, we have to say Mazel Tov, right? I think that's right. I think it's an exceptional uh, milestone for our community. It's something we can be proud of, um, especially you know among segments of the community that embraced this 25 years ago. We've essentially wiped out the problem. Um, it, as funny as it sounds to, to say that, um, the, the number of couples that come through our doors um, that that come from kind of you know RCA, YU, uh, OU communities. Where they fought, where they really uh, face a long-term egun problem or long-term aguna problem, are far and few between. Because this document was embraced, because it's now been uh, essentially signed across the board. Hey, if someone's getting, ma- if a couple's getting married this week, and we just turned them on to the prenup idea, can they download it somewhere immediately? 
Yes, there's a, a dedicated website, theprenup.org. Theprenup.org. And they, and they literally print it out, sign it, make sure it's notarized, and they're all set. That's right. You know, I'll tell you, interestingly, we actually now, a few months ago, we rolled out a feature on the website. You could actually notarize online now. Wow. There's such a thing as online notarization. You could sign a prenup in your pajamas. <laughs> it's and, all uh, you can do that at the website. You, you can't make it much easier than that, huh, Rabbi? <laughs> That's right. We're trying. We're trying. All right. Uh, what does the next 25 years bring? Uh, aside from the little tweaks that are going to go on with the prenup and trying to get uh, every rabbi in the greater Jewish community into this idea. Anything else that's going to be revolutionary in this area over the next few years? I think that the, the more, uh, like I said, the more segments of the community that we could have uh, adopt this as a, uh, a standard form, uh, a standard conventional right of Jewish marriage, the better off we'll be. We can, we can obliterate the problem going forward if we embrace this document. Well, um, I, I just thought of something else, which frankly... I debate with myself I should even bring it up on the air, but I'll say it anyway. You're familiar with the fact that there are there are segments in our community that for whatever reason um, recognize halachic marriage while not recognizing civil marriage, meaning you might have a couple in our community for whatever reason who are married halachically but are not married according to U.S. law. You understand what I'm saying, right? Yes. If someone is in that type of situation, I would assume that for sure they would never think of a halachic prenup because, as we just discussed, that would acknowledge the fact that, in fact, civilly that couple is married, right? Uh, no, that's, I wouldn't say that. I think the, the prenup would be effective even in such a situation. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, the prenup's enforceability uh, comes through the arbitration statutes. So even if there's no civil divorce going on... Or, uh, or a civil marriage. Or a civil marriage. You could, uh, you could enforce this document, you can, meaning you could enforce the judgment of the Bethlehem of America in a situation where we needed to enforce the support obligation. You could enforce that in court uh, by filing uh, a motion under the arbitration statutes, even separate from a civil divorce. Phenomenal. Uh, thank you so much. And as we said, Mazel Tov on the 25th anniversary. What's the website again? Just tell us the website one more time. The, theprenup.org. Thank you, Rabbi Weissman. Okay, thank you very much. Rabbi Shlomo, thank you, Rabbi Shlomo Weissman, Bethlehem of America, celebrating 25 years of the halachic prenup and the study that now tells us that 84% of those in the modern Orthodox community, rabbinic leaders, are uh, encouraging their congregants, their constituents, to sign a halachic prenuptial agreement before the wedding. And Rabbi Weissman did describe for us just how effective and why uh, it, it is so effective and why it only increases peace and civility in our community. And after all, and now I could say this because I'm really getting old, uh, what is more important than peace and civility in our community? More coming up. It is, uh, let's see, seven minutes before 8 o'clock at JM in the AM. <laughs> 